Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Well, I think that's a beautiful story. And I think so often we are, I think we are afraid to preach the word because um, we're afraid of, well, it's just, it's scary to be vulnerable, like you Mm -hmm. said, but it's also, we fear rejection and um, we feel like maybe we don't know enough to really, to really talk about what we believe. But I think when we make it personal, when we reflect on our own stories, like you did, and reflected on what you've learned about God, how God has met us in difficult situations, and then we can share that with others. I mean, that's a great way to preach the word in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, we can. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good exercise for us to reflect on our own stories and to think about like why is God important to me Mm. why is my life different because I'm following Jesus when is a time that God has met me in a time of need and as we reflect on those things and process those things those become really awesome things to share with others that I think fit the imperative to preach the word This series, we're looking at 2 Timothy. It's Paul's last letter to Timothy, and there are only four chapters, but they pack a punch. I am so glad you've joined us. Today, we're talking about 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8, and I'm really excited because I have a friend on with me today who we were talking, I was talking, she listens to the podcast, and I had said, you know, I've never had you on the podcast. I should have you on the podcast. So when I started thinking about guests for this series, I thought, I'm going to ask my friend, Christy. She is the family ministry pastor at my church, which is Calvary Church, and her name is Christy Becker. Welcome, Christy. Thanks, Angie. I'm excited that you're here. I'm happy to be here, too. I love talking about the Bible with friends. Yeah, (laughs) which is when we have lunch. That's what we talk about life. We talk about the Bible, what we're learning. And this study came out of, we did a series. We did a series at church about Second Timothy, and that was, I feel like, what the Lord inspired for us to do this series on reading the Bible together. That's awesome. Yeah, I love how when I love how the Lord does that sometimes, <laughs> the way that He inspires. He does that all the time, actually. Uh, so I thought it would be great if we could start out just reading the scripture, and then we will talk about it. Would you mind reading it? Yeah, this is Second Timothy four one through eight from the NLT. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. There is so much in that section. (laughs) There is. (laughs) 
Let's just start at the top. You know, and we were talking a little bit before we before I hit record, and I was like, "Stop! We need to start recording this." But at the beginning, when it says, "Preach the word, be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not," that really stuck out to me because I feel like we're moving into a time when it's not it's not favorable. You know, generally, I think culturally, it's been favorable. People, you know, Judeo-Christian values, but, it, you know, culture seems to be moving away from that. And so I really appreciate that Paul is pushing us to preach the word, whether it's favorable or not. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. He says, um, in another translation, it says, be prepared in any season. Mm. And I think that's good because, um, you know, sometimes we're in seasons and in places where, it is really fav- it is fine and comfortable to talk about Jesus to talk about the gospel but then there are other places where it's just not and and that's that's hard for us but I think we're facing more and more situations where that is that is the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what so what else has stood out to you in this section? Well, I think you know, I think the main the key message of this this passage is preach the word. And so often when we think about preaching, these images come to our mind of, you know, Billy Graham or a street, <laughs> a, yeah, a street on a box. preacher on yeah. a box <laughs> or even just the pastor at my own church. Um, so, you know, I think it kind of initially my question was, who is the odd, who is, who is Paul writing to in this? Like, is he telling, is he telling like regular lay people to preach? Um, and, I actually, I actually had, I actually preached on this uh, passage uh, during the series that we, we we did this this spring, and I remember thinking, how do I preach a sermon about preaching the word to people who are never going to stand up and preach a sermon? You know, mm-hmm. so you really, it really kind of had to wrap my head around that. Is this really for, for us? Because um, preach is just such a strong word, and it has and it has right, some connotations. It, yeah, that I mean, we get a picture in our head right away. Right, right. So I looked a little bit into um, that word preach, and um, the Greek word that's used. Oh, is, you're speaking my love language. Oh, I love this. yes. Okay, Let's, let me speak <laughs> yeah, a little Greek yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the word used for preach is keruso, which means to to proclaim in the manner of a herald. Um, or a town crier, you know, mm-hmm. and, it ha- and it has this kind of feeling of formality or authority. And um, so, so the idea of proclaiming, um, you know, this word then is used a lot of other places in Scripture, like John the Baptist, it's used to describe what John the Baptist does when he says, repent, prepare oh. the way of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the word that is used when Jesus proclaims the good news of the kingdom. It's what he commands his disciples to do when he sends them out. So those are all people that you would maybe think of as like professional, like professional preachers. That was their job. Right. Mm-hmm. But that word was also used for regular people who witnessed something that they wanted to share with others. So in the Gospels, the man who was healed of leprosy, it mm-hmm. said he preached. He went and he preached. Um, the man who was demon-possessed after he was healed, he went out and th- this word was used to describe him going out and telling. And the people who brought the deaf and the mute man to Jesus, that word was used to talk about what what they did. So kind of this idea of openly proclaiming something that has been done, something amazing that's been done that you just that you just kind of feel compelled to share. And and so I think as followers of Jesus, something amazing has been done for us. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen God uh, create this beautiful world that we get to live in. We've seen... Um, We've seen the way that he, that that he sent Jesus to uh, to die for our sins and to give us salvation. I mean, those are some amazing things that we've experienced, and and um, and so I, the idea of 
openly proclaiming something amazing that we've seen happen makes me think that, yes, this passage is is for us. Just, you know, lay people who are living our lives out in the world, wanting to share um, what Jesus has done in our lives. And I think that that it feels like there's been a big movement toward that with, you know, sharing your story. I mean, everyone's talking about a story, wanting to be a storyteller and tell your story. And I, I feel like that's what you're talking about here. Is those those people that were healed went out and told their story. They went out and told their story of what Jesus had done for them. And that also makes me think about humility because that to, to tell the story of what Jesus has done for you also means that you had something that had needed like you had something that needed to be healed, that you had something mm. that needed to be fixed. You know, we're, you know, the blind man or the mute, those are external things. But I, I guess in my life, I've not had a like external, physical kind of healing. But God has done a lot of healing, like inner healing in my life, and um, had to. Yeah, I just think about like soften the edges and things that I've had to um, let go of. And I, I feel like it takes a lot of humility to say, like, I I felt like, so I will just do this. I will just demonstrate what I'm talking about, even though it makes me feel uncomfortable. So, um, you know, when I went through a, a seasons of loss, or, and I'll back up, when we were going through infertility, and I felt like, God, I had done what, you know, we waited till we got married, I got married, like, hi, I did my part, you do your part. And really wanting, feeling like that need, exchange needed to happen. And he just brought the healing of, you know, know that it, it, that life with him is not like that. It's not this, you do your part, then I will get, you know, it's not works-based. And to then, but I think that's the story that he's given me of being able to draw in closer to him. Am I making sense? Drawing in, being able to draw in closer to him for, and realizing what life with him is really like. It's not about getting what I want, but leaning into him more. And there's a, there's a fullness that's hard to put words to. Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful story. And I think so often we are, I think we are afraid to preach the word because um, we're afraid of well, it's just, it's scary to be vulnerable, like you mm-hmm. said, but it's also, we fear rejection and um, we feel like maybe we don't know enough to really, to really talk about what we believe. But I think when we make it personal, when we reflect on our own stories, like you did and reflected on what you've learned about God, how God has met us in difficult situations, and then we can share that with others. I mean, that's a great way to preach the word in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um we can, um, so yeah, I think it's a really good exercise for us to reflect on our own stories and to think about like, why is God important to me? Mm. Why is my life different because I'm following Jesus? When is a time that God has met me in a time of need? And as we reflect on those things and process those things, those become really awesome things to share with others that I think fit, fit the, the, um, the imperative to preach the word if we can. And, and I think it, for me, I feel more comfortable doing that because I think we live in a world where people do love stories Mm -hmm. and we live in a world where, you know, it's, we, we, we live in a world where people want to know other stories and there's a level of respect. Um, even if I don't, even if someone doesn't share my beliefs, um, 
they're going to respect my personal story that I'm sharing. And so if I can use my story to show why God is important to me, what Jesus has done in my life, how God has met me, I think God uses that. Yeah. And the, I think one of the questions I was thinking of is then what is the gospel? You know, what is this gospel that we're sharing? And I think it's that, you know, Jesus making it possible for us, you know, it says in John 10 that he's the gatekeeper. He's the good shepherd. He's a, you know, we go through him to get through the father and that he made that right relationship. And so that's how, you know, the gospel is how our lives have been changed by our relationship, by being in relationship with, with God. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, and I, in verse three, it says for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who give them what their itching ears want to hear. What, what thoughts do you have about well, the whole book of Second Timothy, I mean, one of the big themes in Second Timothy is about false false teachers. There were mm-hmm. the, uh, Timothy was left behind in in Ephesus, and Paul was writing to him from prison, and and one of the issues in Ephesus was false teaching. And so, um, you know, that's that is just such a big theme in this in this book, and um, and so I think you know, I think Paul in his last. I mean, these are some of his last words that he wrote before his death. And I think oftentimes, you know, our last words are the things that are most important to us. Mm-hmm. So so he's telling Timothy to be to, to preach the word because because people are turning away because of these false teachers, because people listen to what they want to hear. And I think we can relate to that, you know, just yeah. that that line of um, itching ears. I think we can we picture what that looks like in our own in our own world. Yeah. And I think it's tempting to. To want to scratch itchy ears and to know, you know, we were talking about like how sometimes it's, it's hard to share the good news, to share about Jesus and what he's done because it's so counter and I I can understand where, and I have been um, tempted to not speak the truth of what God has done in my life because of, out of fear of how it was going to be received. So I understand the temptation to want to scratch those itchy ears. And so I really appreciate Paul saying here, you know, like that is not ultimately like that is not the loving thing to do. The loving thing to do is to, is to speak the truth of the gospel. Right. Right. Yeah. And in verse two, he goes on and, you know, he tells more about how to do this preaching the word. It's, it's the be prepared in any season, whether people want to hear it or not being ready. But he also talks about doing it with, with patience and with good teaching. So mm-hmm. to me, there's this tension between, um, you know, being bold and preaching the world and not, and, and, you know, not compromising truth, but also doing it with patience and with goodness mm-hmm. so that we're, so that we're loving and so that we're having a, we're keeping doors open and we're, you know, maintaining a good a good testimony. I think sometimes if we're not patient in our teaching or if our teaching, if we're not patient, um, I think patience requires us to acknowledge that it takes time for people to listen and understand and respond. Mm-hmm. So that and for the means, Holy Spirit to do work that only the Holy Spirit can do. Yes. Yes. So that probably means, um, you know, there could be a tendency to um, try to manipulate people, mm. um, or there could be a tendency to try to um, just you know scratch the itching ears and just make it make it make it prettier. But but I think just this this instruction to be patient and to um, have good teaching is just really 
really important to this conversation too. Lest we become, lest we read that, we don't want to read this and just, again, go to that image of the person on the street corner standing on a box holding an angry sign, you know. Or talking at people instead of with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Paul is encouraging, I see Paul encouraging Timothy to keep Christ the center, not Timothy the center. I mean, it's about, it's about preaching what Christ has done. It's about, it's about, oh, it's about submission and surrender. Everything always, I feel like, comes back to submission and surrender, maybe because those are the things that I have, that I struggle with the most. But, you know, surrendering to what Christ has done, surrendering to, you know, what what God is calling him to do, you know, be of a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid to suffer. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Do the thing that God has asked you to do and make your life about that. Don't make your life about you. Yeah. And Paul was such a great example of that. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, thinking about the life that he lived and the risks that he took, sacrifices he made, the suffering he endured. I mean, he was, he was a living example of this to, you know, both to Timothy who he's writing to, but also to us as we read this, um, thousands of years later. Yeah. And then in verse six, as for me, my life has been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. And that, you know, imagery of my life has been poured out as an offering to God. I was doing a little bit of reading about that. And it was going back to um, in the Old Testament. It was Exodus 29 and Leviticus 23, where it was talking about um, different offerings that that they were supposed to offer in the morning and in the evening and it was, you know, a lamb, and then it was flour mixed with olive oil, and then a quart of wine that was to be to be poured out. And I love the imagery that Paul is using, that his life has been poured out like that. You know, his life has been poured out as an offering to God, just like what we were talking about. He wasn't about Paul. He was about doing the work and, the, and, and whatever whatever it was that God was calling calling him to do, no matter the cost. Yeah, that's great imagery. And and in this, you know, as he's talking about, you know, he's really talking about his imminent death. He's he's passing his the baton to, to, to Timothy. He's saying, I've given my life to this and 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 the reward is near for me. And um, he's kind of saying, like, Timothy, it's it's your turn. Like, mm-hmm. pick up the baton and keep on keep on going with this. I was um, so this spring. Um, I had my dear aunt, my mom's oldest sister, passed away, and she was ninety-two. She had followed the Lord um, for most of her life. I think she was a young woman, maybe in her twenties, when she fully committed to following Christ. And I kept thinking about this: how this describes her life. As for me, my life has been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful, and I just really appreciated, you know, as we were reflecting back on her life to the, the the consistency that she's had, no matter what, you know, no matter what suffering had come, no matter hardship, what hardship came, that example of, I mean, it, you know, maybe there are probably people that you think of in your life and hopefully people listening can think of people in their life that have seen, that they have seen exemplify this, but I just couldn't get that out of my head. And I kept thinking, God, I want to, I, at the end of my life, I want to be mm-hmm. able to say that. I want to be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I remained faithful. Yeah. You, you know, and sometimes it makes me think of all the times I have not remained faithful, but God is faithful. 
Um, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize not just for, but for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's a promise uh, of reward there for yeah. a life lived faithfully. And again, you know, it's, it's, Paul makes it not just about Paul. He's talking about, you know, he's talking about what he's done so as to inspire Timothy to pick up the baton and carry on. But he's also talking about this reward that he's looking forward to getting, but also sharing that it is available to everyone. Mm -hmm. And just so even in his last, in his last uh, days, um, he is, you know, he's still, he's still mentoring and inspiring others to on onward. Yep. Is there anything in second in this section of scripture that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we cover? Well, you know, we talked about the fear of preaching the word that comes from fear of rejection. Um, I think I think another and as so we talked about the importance of sharing your story, I think something else that that I thought about when when I thought about the challenges that come to us in in preaching the word or talking about Jesus in our own lives is. Um, Paul gives us a really good example of the importance of partnering up. You know, mm. we, it is less challenging to talk about Jesus or to share our faith or to preach the word when we're when we're not doing it by ourselves. And Paul always had ministry partners, right? He mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. he had just a whole list of them throughout his career, and I think that's just a good example to us that we don't have to do this alone. We need community. We need friends who are believers, and we don't want to only have friends who are believers we want to we want to take those friendships with believers and enter into relationship with our neighbors and our coworkers who who don't know Jesus and it is so much easier for me to have a conversation with with someone about Jesus if I'm doing it alongside an, a friend who also knows Jesus and we can we can do it together so um, I think Paul was a really good example of that and I think that might be one of the tips that he would give us in, <laughs> in how to do this thing of preaching the word in our in our day would you pray for people who who are desiring that who maybe don't have community and that that God would um, would lead them to that yeah yeah I can do that um, God we know that you created us to be in relationships with others. And sometimes that comes easily, but other times it doesn't. And when it doesn't, it's, it's painful and isolating. And, um, and God, I just pray for um, people who are feeling that today, people who are feeling alone, that you would give them hope, that you would provide just even one idea of a of a friend who they could connect with give them courage to reach out and make the ask make make, take initiative to um to invite relationship um but god i pray that you would just um build build each of us up and build us into a community that loves each other and wants to make a difference in this world in jesus name amen amen Thank you so much, Christy. Thanks you. Thank you for. I'm so glad that I finally got to have you on the podcast. <laughs> it was fun to be here today. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about Second Timothy four one through eight. If you'd like more information about Christy Becker, you can check out the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for Second Timothy four nine through eighteen. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, 
and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. Being the new person can feel intimidating, but we want you to know you belong, and we're so glad that you're here. We're excited that God is working in your life and that you're joining us in the mission field to tell the whole world about Jesus. So introduce yourself, and we'll send you a special free gift to encourage you with information about who we are. Request your free welcome pack today at MyFaithRadio.com. That's MyFaithRadio.com.